Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Buffalo Shots Podcast. In 1982, Steven Spielberg came up with and helped create a Toby Hooper-directed movie about a malevolent spirit or spirits that terrorize a family upon moving in to their new home. The film became a near-instant classic in the horror genre and really solidified the supernatural niche of horror. It spawned two sequels, and along with it, a curse. I'm Casey, and this is a brand new season of the Horror Shots podcast. And today, I'm talking about the curse of the poltergeist. Now, before we get started, let me clear the air about a few things. I know I sort of vanished off the planet a few months ago without any warning, and for that, I really do apologize. I had some medical issues, which were worrying at the time, I'm not going to lie. However, and I've since been assured that it's nothing too serious, despite not really knowing what it is. Anyway, the long and short of it is medical professionals seem to believe it's a pulled or torn muscle in my neck just below my jaw, which made it very difficult for me to talk, very painful for me to talk and swallow and, well, breathe. I'm working through it, though, so thank you if you were worried that I died or something. As usual, if you like what you hear, leave a review like Jesse Parra did last month. He gave me a five-star rating and said, really happy to have found this podcast. I was searching for podcasts with trolls and loved the episode about the Utah. I am now officially hooked. Thank you, Jesse, wherever you are. And I hope you're listening. And I hope that you did catch up and now you're actually kind of getting to get some new episodes in as I come back. Anyway, also don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Horror Shots Photography, Twitter at Horror Shots Pod, Facebook at Horror Shots, and lastly, my website at horrorshots.com. Now, on to the cast. Let's first talk about what a poltergeist is. Most are familiar with the term, but what is it exactly? Well, it can be described as German for noisy ghost or noisy spirit, and it's a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances, such as loud noises, objects being moved or destroyed, and they are purportedly capable of pinching, biting, hitting, and tripping people. Most accounts of poltergeists describe the movement or levitation of objects such as furniture and cutlery, or noises such as knocking on doors, and even footsteps. And there have been numerous accounts of activities over the years, such as in the 50s, when Guy William Lambert proposed that reported poltergeist phenomena could be explained by the movement of underground water, causing stress on the house. Now, these are obviously accounts that may or may not have happened, other causes, other possible reasons as well as to why things in the house are doing what they did at the time. Lambert goes on to suggest that water turbulence could cause strange sounds or structural movement of the property, possibly causing the house to vibrate and move objects. Later researchers such as Alan Gould and Tony Cornell tested Lambert's hypothesis by placing objects in different rooms and subjecting the house to strong mechanical vibrations. 
They discovered that although the structure of the building had been damaged, only a few objects moved a very short distance. So a little bit of a evidence, if you will, or maybe a point in the direction that it could be a poltergeist. Trevor H. Hall criticized the hypothesis, claiming if it were true, the building would almost certainly fall into ruins. And according to Richard Wiseman, the hypothesis has not held up to scrutiny. Michael Persinger has theorized that seismic activity could cause the poltergeist phenomena. However, Persinger's claims regarding the effects of the environmental geomagnetic activity on paranormal experiences may not have been independently replicated. And, like his findings regarding the god helmet, may simply be explained by the suggestibility of the participants. David Turner, a retired physical chemist, suggests that ball lightning might cause the spooky movement of objects blamed on poltergeists. Furthermore, parapsychologist Nandor Fodor and William G. Roll suggest that the poltergeist activity can be explained by psychokinesis. Poltergeist activity has often been believed to be the work of malicious spirits by spiritualists. According to Alan Kardec, the founder of Spiritism, Poltergeists are manifestations of disembodied spirits of low level belonging to the sixth class of the third order. Under this explanation, they are believed to be closely associated with the elements, fire, air, water, and earth. Psychoanalyst Carl Gustav Jung was interested in the concept of poltergeists and the occult in general. Jung believed that a female cousin's trance states were responsible for a dining table splitting in two and his later discovery of a broken bread knife. Young also believed that when a bookcase gave an explosive cracking sound during a meeting with Freud in 1909, he correctly predicted there would be a second sound, speculating that such phenomena was caused by exteriorization of his subconscious mind. Freud disagreed and concluded there was some natural cause. Freud biographers maintain the sounds were likely caused by the wood of the bookcase contracting as it dried out. So with all that said, and now you have a little bit of a backstory about what poltergeists are, you might be asking yourself, what is this curse you're going on about that you started this whole podcast about being associated with the poltergeist trilogy? Well, be it a curse or coincidence, there have been an odd number of real-life deaths associated with the movies or the production of them, or really even being associated with them. It all started with Dominique Dunn, who at the time was 22 years old. She played the eldest sister in the family, and even though she was such a young age, she had a budding career, and was probably going to be a fairly big star one day. That is, if it weren't for her boyfriend, John Sweeney. While the two had an abusive relationship, I think it was still a shock to everybody when on October 30th, 1982, he strangled her. The strangulation resulted in Dominique being left in a coma, and on November 4th, 1982, she succumbed to her injuries and died. Sweeney was sentenced to six and a half years in prison for involuntary manslaughter, but was released after only three years and eight months. That's my personal opinion here. The guy is a douchebag and should probably still be in prison. Anger and temper aside, he still killed a person, which isn't right. I get crimes of passion, all that sort of stuff. He still killed somebody. He should be in prison. Don't believe in the death penalty, but I do believe in imprisonment for somebody who murdered somebody. But moving on, now everybody knows who Heather O'Rourick is, whether they know the name or not. They're here. That's right. 
The little girl, arguably the one who stole the show, was called Heather O'Rourke. You may recognize her from her striking blonde hair and creepy little voice. She starred in all three of the Poltergeist movies and started at just the young age of six years old. However, in 1988, she fell ill. What sounded like nothing serious resulted in her death in February of that year. She'd been battling what many thought was the flu, but soon suffered a cardiac arrest as toxins from an unknown bowel obstruction entered her bloodstream. Her official cause of death was septic shock. And like I said, she was young. She was only 12 years old at the time of her passing. Two actors who were so young died while working on the same franchise. While it could very well be a coincidence, it could be something more sinister. After all, the movie does touch on some pretty devious topics, such as ancient spirits, native lands, and all sorts of superstitions. Now, I get it, two deaths does not a curse make. I agree. But, what if I throw two more into the mix? Granted, they aren't as surprising, but it's about who these people played in the movie that really makes their deaths eerie. Julian Beck was the evil spirit Kane in the second film of the franchise. You probably remember him, gaunt, pale, wearing Amish-style garb. Well, he was 60 years old when he passed after a hard-fought battle with stomach cancer. While it's not as shocking as a 22- or 12-year-old, 60 isn't exactly ancient. However, the diagnosis likely meant many knew what the outcome would be. He died seven months before his film, Poltergeist 2, was released. Lastly, we have Will Sampson, who was 53 at the time of Poltergeist 2, and he portrayed the good spirit, the Native American character. He died about a year after the film was released due to complications regarding a heart and lung transplant, which, to be fair, doesn't sound like a very easy operation to perform. He eventually died of kidney failure and infection. While the latter two may not have been entirely shocking, as I said, due to their prior health issues, it was the fact that they played two of the spirit characters in the film. While that may be the case for hundreds of actors before and since, you know, that is, portraying spirits and whatnot, they didn't do so on such a literal project, perhaps. It's interesting to take into account that maybe, just maybe, these spirits were offended by these films. Maybe there was some curse or something placed upon the production by a disgruntled individual. Maybe somebody actually upset the spirits. Maybe it was the film. Hollywood has a whole lot of weird stories. This is just one of them. There's the case of the Black Dahlia. There's the Sharon Tate murders. There's a whole whack of crazy things that go on in Tinseltown. And who knows, maybe somebody did actually get caught up in the whole spiritualness of Poltergeist. You gotta remember, this was a time when horror movies were just kind of coming into their own. Sure, we had the 60s and 70s, which, you know, really amplified the horror and some of the gore shock genre, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we had Friday the 13th, and we had Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, but nothing really dealt with the supernatural on a scale of this. We had The Exorcist. Granted, I'll give you that one. And while this is in sort of the same vein as The Exorcist, I wouldn't quite call it the same style of movie. This dealt with more supernatural beings than religion. This dealt with a lot of superstitious topics. And some people get a little antsy around that sort of stuff. It's hard to say. I could be completely wrong with everything here, but... 
the fact that it does mention Indian burial grounds and how native spirits are vengeful and malevolent beings that could destroy you and your home. I mean, it's a thought. People have believed that the Native Americans have a certain connection with the supernatural. Maybe. There's a lot of maybes. We'll never know for sure. And the likeliness that it was just a coincidence is just that. It's a coincidence. You gotta go with Occam's razor on a lot of things, but you never know. So curse or not, it is a really fascinating story. And like I said, I'm not 100% sure I believe in curses, but something just feels wrong. It feels off, especially given the nature of the film. Let me know what you think. You can send me an email at horrorshotspodcast at gmail.com and let me know. Also, while you're at it, feel free to let me know if you want to hear anything specific on the show. Drop me a line. Let me know if you have any ideas or stories. I love stories, and I'll read your story on the podcast if you have any. Preferably fact. But if you have a great fiction story that you want to share, a short story that you've written, I'll be more than happy to share that as well. So that does it for the first episode of Season 3 of the Horror Shots Podcast. So until next time...